want to start editing your audio and video but just don't have the time? Try Descript. Descript's an all-in-one audio and video editor that makes editing as easy as using a Word doc. You upload your recordings straight into Descript, or you can record straight into Descript. It instantly transcribes your file into text, and then you can tweak it with the text or using the media clips. Edit out filler words and silent gaps with a single click. Uh, you can record your screen and webcam presentations and video messages and edit out mistakes before publishing. Using pro features such as non-destructive multi-track editing, live collaboration, auto-captioning, exports, and much more. Descript is what I use when I edit my podcast. Not that I edit my podcast. Got an affiliate link in the description below. This is Cockatrice Nuggets with Rich Frazier, serving you up a heaping helping of RPG nuggets straight to your gaming table. Hey, Jason here. Just listened to your 7 November episode. I agree with you. You talked about your Halloween game. And I don't like closed-ended mysteries and problems. I definitely like to leave them open-ended and then react to what the players come up with. We're within reason, right? Uh, the other thing you talk about in the beginning of the episode, these portable little kits that, hey, does somebody want to play a game? I've got, I can, I'm ready to run it. And I really like that idea. And I get where I go down rabbit holes and want to build those things as well. I don't know when I'd ever, ever use it. And I think that's what stops me, but it doesn't, it stops me from physically doing it, but it doesn't stop me from ordering stuff to put it together and it doesn't stop me from thinking about doing it. I just never actually complete doing it. <laughs> so I've got pieces and parts and notebooks and tiny dice and all kinds of stuff, you know, that is just sitting in, in boxes and bags and unused, which is pretty sad. Okay, now I'm going to go cry. Keep up the great work. I will talk to you later. been seeing a lot of these top three lists going around, and I've not been seeing a lot of stuff that I like on it. One of them had Barkeep on the Borderlands, which I don't have here. Not that it wasn't one of my favorites, I just haven't got to it yet. And that was about it as far as I saw from the, the Xenosphere OSR stuff that I'm really into. So first up here, I've got Constant Downpour Remastered. And that is published by Spicy Tuna. And they have had really good couple of years. They have dropped some really hot stuff on us. They're also part of the collection that is coming out. I don't remember what it's called. It's It was kickstarted by Ico and it's planned on release for next year in February, I want to say. But Marco Serrano is, he's first of all, he's a good guy. Second of all, he's got some really unique takes on things and constant downpour is great it's uh it takes place on venus 3 which is a wet wet planet and basically you crash a bit too far away from the civilized outpost on there and you basically have to hex crawl uh, around this place and figure out what's going on and as all things mothership nothing good's going on but it is it's very unique because i hadn't seen a mothership hex crawl this way before I really enjoyed it, and I really enjoy all the Spicy Tuna stuff. So let's see what else we got here. So second here is A Butterfly Dies. Again, this is by Spicy Tuna, but it's not for Mothership. This is for Primal Quest. This is something that, excuse me, because I'm going to get your name wrong, Diogo Nguera put out, I think at the beginning of this year. It was the beginning of this year or the end of last year. And it's a rules-light stone 
age role-playing game. And Marco jumped right on that and got in here with Butterfly Dies, which is this, it's like an ancient Mexican kind of stone age civilization and story about them. It's again, it's a really good adventure and I'd recommend buying anything from Spicy Tuna. Let's see, next we've got Liminal Horror. Again, this is something that the last two years has been popping up really prolifically. And Goblin Archives has, he's made a pretty good name for himself. He's actually done some really great stuff. I picked up Liminal Horror. I check out all these into the odd base systems. And I really dug Liminal Horror. I dug the like 80s, 90s horror of it. I like the touchstones of regular society. I like the simple into the odd statistics. I like the way his sanity system works. It's not sanity. It's called something else. I can't remember what it is right now, but it's, it's set up so that it can be different for each system or each adventure. So every adventure has a unique fallout. Uh, the Bloom is the latest of his modules. It takes place in Coldwater, I believe, is the name of the city. And it's a small kind of summer tourist town. And it's, I believe it starts like in the last throes of summer, the beginning of fall, when the tourist areas are shutting down and it's becoming more of just winterized tourist town. I don't know. I lived in Yosemite for a while, so I... This really connects with me. Like Yosemite was huge in the summer and in the winter, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of people there still, but everything was closed down. You couldn't go up to the upper parks. A lot of the trails were just closed off because of snow. The, even the places to stay in the valley were shut down. So it was, it was a different place there in the summer and the winter. I really like Yosemite in the winter though, in the valley at least. Anyway, liminal horror. Yeah. So this is the third module that he's put out, the third adventure he's put out. The previous two were The Mall, which is amazing. I've run that and had a lot of fun with that. And it's basically trapped in a 90s mall. And then the Bureau, which is like a secret organization building that you somehow get into and get trapped into and wander around. There is connections to the Bureau in the Bloom. I'm not sure if the, the Mall is mentioned, but yeah. This is, just, it's just another home run for Liminal Horror and they keep getting good stuff put out. There are a couple of pamphlet adventures put out this year, I think. There was a trio of pamphlets put out by, let's see, Evelyn Mon Moreau and two others. I don't remember. I backed because of Evelyn Moreau, but they were really good little pamphlet adventures. One was called The Chair. You get trapped in a house and in every room there is this chair that's basically taunting you, right? And the idea is to figure out how to get the house. All right, coming up again in Liminal Horror is One Night at the Shelterwood Inn. And this was something that Goblin Archives did with a game called Triangle Agency. And Triangle Agency was kickstarted this year. I don't think it's out yet. There might be a PDF out there for it. It's more of a bureaucratic corporate horror. I, I almost backed it, but it just wasn't quite, I didn't think I needed something else like that in my life. I thought, I felt like I could do it with Liminal Horror. Um, but corporate horror is one of my favorite things. Uh, it's one of the reasons I love Mothership. It's, there's something about it, that just the, the touchstones to our reality that we're living in right now, the dominant corporations. It's got that cyberpunk feeling where the corporations are evil and coming down on everybody. I, something I just really like about corporate horror. 
And triangle agency really throws this bureaucracy into it because you're working for the triangle agency. You're going out and containing these horrors and trying to make it so no one can find out what's going on. And half of the game of the triangle agency is doing that. The other half is working through office politics. So it's a really unique game. And yeah, I just didn't hit me where it, it didn't hit me in my Kickstarter wallet. If I had infinite funds and could back everything, I probably would have backed it. So the cool thing about this is that there are two, two sets, right? Two, two adventures in here that's the same adventure, just from different perspectives. One is from the liminal horror investigator side where you're coming in and trying to figure out what's going on. And the other is the triangle agency side where you're coming in and trying to shut down these investigators and try to clean up this mess before it gets out. It's a really good little adventure. It's really short. I think these can both be played in one or two sessions, two sessions for sure, but one session I'll probably get through. Maybe not with my style, but yeah, definitely two. Last of all, here in the Liminal Horror Avenue, I've got the Investigators edition of Liminal Horror, which just came. And basically, this is just a rewrite of Liminal Horror. I believe it's just cleaned up and there is nothing really new in here. I think he added some stuff on vehicles, if I remember correctly, and luck, maybe. I'm looking here at the appendixes, and I don't remember there being a funnel. So there might be, I think these appendixes might all be new. Funnel rules, time procedures, conditions, luck, item tags, vehicles expanded. Also factions. I think there were factions in that before. I'm not quite sure. But the investigators edition is the rules haven't changed, right? They This is totally backwards compatible with the original liminal horror. It was just out of print. He spruced it up and threw it back into print. Not sure how long the print run is on this, so it might be something that you want to grab sooner rather than later. Out Empress, Land of the Cicadas. This came out this year. Obviously, all this stuff came out this year, right? That's what I'm talking about. Cloud Empress, Land of the Cicadas. This is a really unique system using the Panic Engine this year. This is one of two that came out this year. The other being, oh my goodness, I can't remember the name of it. It's the other being a medieval horror style game based on the Panic Engine. So Cloud Empress is a, it is Nausicaa inspired. If you understand what that means, I haven't seen the movie. I know I'm getting to it. It's on my, it's on my list. It's coming up. It's coming up. World where it is people exploring the ecological horror. And I really like these takes on different kinds of horror. Something I backed recently was architectural horror, like getting into the horror of the design of the buildings. It's really interesting to see some of these things and how they come together. Cloud Empress came with a lot of stuff. It came with a world book. It came with a rule book. It came with three adventures. It came with four pamphlets, I think. It, it came stocked full of a bunch of stuff, and he has plans for this to continue on. So it can be used with Mothership or it can be used to stand alone. You do not need the Mothership rules, but you can drop Mothership characters in here pretty easily. I really like the uniqueness of the setting and just the style it's written in and the way that he has a plan for this, right? He has a plan to support it. He's not just making up a set of rules and leaving it there to lie. I think that there's a lot of problem with that in the industry right now. 
there is, especially with the whole 5e debacle or OGL debacle, and now we've got three or four different groups making 5e rules when there were already six or 10 5e variants out there. And it's, I, I don't know if we need all that stuff, especially like really similar rule sets like that. Like, I understand why Tales of the Valiant did what they did, but is that like in the aftermath, is that something that we actually need? I don't know. I'm not the one to say, right? I really like Cobalt Press and they put out good stuff. So I wish them well. It's not a game that I'll be playing though. I'll probably pick up adventures and supplements because I really like their world and some of the ideas in it. But what I want is more, I want more settings. I want more adventures. I want more idea books. I, the thing I like about a role-playing supplement is picking through it and stealing things out of it for my game. And setting doesn't matter as much. Rules don't matter as much, but I don't generally pick through a rule book and steal it for my, steal rules for my game. I'm more interested in setting material and adventure ideas. But again, Cloud Empress looks like it's going to be supported with a lot of different stuff. And it's really unique. It's not, it's not what everybody else is doing. The fantasy one is called Ruination Pilgrimage. And that is by. Don Stroud, that is based on the Panic Engine, and it is a medieval horror. Hole Breach is next, and that's what we're looking at. And this is by a bunch of different people. We've got Liam Steving, Stevie Meredith Silver, Helena Crossbury, Reese Carter, Ian Usum, Emmy Furt, Mystery Spice, Quadra. A lot of these people are big names in the Mothership universe. And they have written a lot of different stuff. I really like the way this book is put together. This book is, like I said, it's a bunch of different writers. It's a bunch of different artists. I even think there's a couple different layout artists in here. But the idea is this is a campaign book. We've got intel, missions, locations, entities, assets, and the appendix that kind of ties it all together. There is so much stuff in here and not all of it needs to be used for this to be a campaign. The ideas that are in here can be picked out and used in your own mothership campaign, or they can be piled on together to make your own mothership campaign. I really like just the idea of this book. It's a bunch of different stuff thrown together, right? We've got monsters, we've got new guns, we've got missions. We've got new locations. We've got new rules and it's all put together so you can use it as a campaign. It's really, I think this is the way that books should head in the future, right? This is the way supplements, at least in the indie world. I don't think that D&D could pull this off. I don't know if Pathfinder could pull this off. I don't think Cobalt Press could pull this off. Uh, D&D's tried, right? D&D did like a couple of those anthologies, Candlecut Mysteries. Radiant Citadel, I think, may have hit it. I never read Radiant Citadel. Tales from the Yawning Portal also was kind of, but these were just like adventures put together. This is like a whole package of different things, right? Like I said, new loot, new corporations, new monsters, different adventures, and you can handpick these and put them together to, to make the campaign that you want. And like they, they don't assume that you are using how to use this book, public sector campaign 
framework. So they've got a couple of different things here. Rim space survival, endure crushing debt under the company yoke or break co corporate bonds for a life of piracy. Core space intrigue, navigate high stakes politics and perilous schemes among the corporate elite. Frontier exploration, survive alien threats in hostile environments under a light of an unfamiliar star. And these are just things that you can put together from this book and make these campaigns. Also, you can do the work yourself and put this stuff together and make other campaigns. I, again, really like the idea behind this book. And it is one of those things that I really want to get to the table to see how it works for me. The new Mothership Bundle by Ico is following in the same vein, except it's not going to be all in one book. It's going to be a bunch of pieces, but one of those pieces is going to be a campaign guide, how you can wrap all this stuff into a campaign package. What do we have that's next? Planar Compass is basically an old school essentials statted spell jammer. It's got the planes worked into it. It's more sailing the astral sea than the, than wild space or phlogiston. And it, it, yeah, it's really interesting. The first issue is a basically like your main hub setting and rules. The second issue is a, a couple of, let's see if I remember right. It was like ships, adventures or an adventure. And I think another area to explore. And then this one is a, like a time plane centered theme. And I really enjoyed it. The art in here is fantastic. Like the other two were great, but this one just, this one just pushes it a step above what, what came before it. And I really, I really like this, this Spelljammer esque setting. I, one of my favorite games in the nineties was a Spelljammer game that I ran. It was a lot of one-on-one. -on -one, so that may have been part of it. I really enjoyed that kind of crazy setting. And the idea that you could go to anywhere. I never got into Planescape, so I think I would have enjoyed that a lot as well. And lately I've been trying to find something that, that merges those two together. And like I said, Planar Compass being more of an astral sea instead of wild space, and it felt a little more like that than, than regular Spelljammer did. Let's see. Into the Odd Remastered. So... Into the Odd is one of my favorite games. It is simple. It is, it was tiny. There's a lot that got added to it here. Most of it is, a lot of it is refereeing tips and levels added to the adventure and back. There's, there's something about this system that I really like. It's really simple. It's really easy to use. It works really well for one shots. I haven't got a lot of campaign play in with this system. If I was going to campaign play, either way, I think I tend a little more towards Cairn. I really like the idea of the setting. I like the way he writes. Electric Bastion Land was the book before and after this. This is Into the Odd Remastered. Before that was Electric Bastion Land. Before that was the original Into the Odd. Electric Bastion Land was really big on point crawls. And Mythic Bastion Land, which is coming out soon, it was just kickstarted this year, is more about hex crawls. So it's got this simple kind of, so Into the Odd is kind of like a simple dungeon crawl. Electric Bastion Land is this huge city with point crawls. It's also got this amazing setting where if you think it can exist, then it exists there. It's got the city that is just discovered electricity and pushing towards that or just become electric, not just discovered electricity. 
and is pushing towards that. It's got this underground area, which is like AI machine mythical underground and the back country, the farther you go out of the city, the farther you go back in time. I really like his setting. It's very evocative. It's not straight fantasy. It is got a little like guns and tech put into it. It's got magic in it. It's yeah, it's really, it really hits me where I want to be hit. And Mythic Bastion Land looks to be the best of the bunch. He's just tightened a lot of stuff and it looks really interesting. And I'm excited to see where he takes this and everybody else, because there are so many hacks of Into the Odd. This ship is a tomb. This is a depth crawl. A depth crawl is something that I believe invented by Emmy Allen. She did Gardens of Vienne and Library one. I don't remember the name of it right now, but I really enjoyed those. I've got a couple other depth crawls that I've used, but the idea is that the dungeon changes every time you go into it. So initially when you walk in, you can keep going on that level or you can dive into that level. Or if you're in a lower level, you can come up. So if you, if you go deeper into the ship and go down levels, you add to your die roll. So the deeper you go, the higher you're going to get on the random room charts. And it's meant to be done at the table as you play. And I really feel like that is my preferred style. Very light prep, very at the table kind of structure that is visible to the players as well, right? So the players understand that this is abstracted and when they come back, they will not be moving forward or from the last place that they found, they're going to start all over and be looking for other things, right? And they are going to, they're going to know what their roles were. So they will know, oh, you know, that room we want to get back to, that type of room we want to get back to is 15 on the die. So to guarantee that we get there, we have to go 14 levels deep, right? And then we're guaranteed to have it. Otherwise, before then we have, you know, a 20% chance of getting it. So it's, although it is different every time, there is some strategy to how the players crawl through this. And I really like the surprises in this one. I really like the setting, this huge ship that has been taken over and basically surrounded by a fleet is almost too afraid to go in there. And then you show up and I like the surprises that are built into this. And it's another one where I'm just really excited to get it to the table. Creature Campaign. I don't know if this came out this year. This is Appendix uh, and Entertainment. He uh, is a patron of Evelyn Moreau. And she um, has a unique style of drawing. So what he did was he took a look at her, the art that she released through her Patreon for publications, and he started statting up monsters. So he took all these things that she had done and put them into this book. And I believe he split the profits with her. I don't, I'm not quite sure on the exact percentage, but he definitely gave her money from this Kickstarter, even though he had basically already paid for the art. So it's, it's got a lot of really unique monsters. And while not as much purple prose as Fire on a Velvet Horizon, I think the uniqueness of the creatures in here 
make this well worth having and picking up. I really like both Appendix N Entertainment and Evelyn Moreau, so this was a no-brainer for me to get into. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and skip ahead here and check out Sky Realms. And this is done by Ico, and he's the one who's been putting together these bundles and uh, who kickstarted the Mothership bundle recently. He got together with Evelyn Moreau and created this these Sky Realms. So basically what this is a bunch of floating islands and it is a point crawl through these floating islands and they put together some solo rules and got this out and it's beautiful it is black and white line art and part of the idea is that you go through and you color it in yourself there is a coloring book that came with it again i love the art and i love the writing this is a lot more minimal than the last book that we looked at but this is more on the purple prose end of text, whereas uh, Appendix N is more the typical prose that you would expect from an OSR zine. Speaking of Appendix N Entertainment, Demonology. This is, he's like putting together the series Gateway to Adventure, and it's everything he's putting out now, he's labeling under this heading. And this is one of four, I believe, creature books that he has put out. This one as it sounds, is all demons. He did Devilry, which is coming out next. He did Angels, which is coming out after that. And the fourth one is a collection of monsters from existential horror. And again, I really like his writing. I like that it sat for Old School Essentials. Old School Essentials BX is kind of like a good system to adapt from. It's really easy for me to look at the stat blocks on this and pull them into into the odd or if i was running fifth edition i could pull them into fifth edition but again i like his style i like his writing and i, I like demons devils and angels so yeah i've got uh, all of those coming let's see what's next here scourge of the northland by jacob fleming the stuff this guy puts out is solid it is mostly kind of hex crawl area it's got towns dungeons factions I don't know what else I can say about this. It is something that you should definitely pick up. Valley of the Manticore was his previous one, and Tower of the Silver Axe was his original one. But all these are really great hex crawls. They're stocked very well. And while he said he does have a plan for these, like they are all in a similar world or a same world, they're very easily dropped into other worlds. Let's see here. Delver. This is put out by James Floyd Kelly, and he puts out several of these zines. He put out, I think, five Delvers this year. Might have been more. He also put out one called Runes for Shadow Dark. He put out one for another system. I want to say, I don't remember what it was, but he's got these. It, it's, it's like a Dragon Magazine. Is what it feels like to me. It's got a little bit of everything. It's got monsters. It's got adventure. It's got, um, it's got magic items. It's got articles. And I, I, I really miss Dragon Magazine. I really liked getting my monthly Dragon Magazine and sitting down and reading through that and getting ideas and, um, unique things that no one else has seen. Right. So Delver is one of those that I subscribe to. I kick my back every time he kickstarts it. 
I don't think they've come up with subscription plans yet. Gary's Appendix is another one. And the guy who puts this together is Jeff Jones. And he, he, whereas James Kelly writes all his own stuff, Jeff Jones has collected this stable of authors that he employs to write these articles. He's doing this really cool thing where he's going through the bestiary of OSE and adding things to it, little tables. What is this bandit doing, right? What is in this bandit lair? Who do these ghouls resemble, right? Where is this mummy from kind of thing? And it reminds me of Mean from Troika. Really like, I just really like that, that the added benefit of it that it brings. Also from Jeff Jones is Scoundrels of Brixton. This is a traveler zine, which is rare. He has talked about bringing this to Mothership, and I'm really hoping he does <laughs> because, yeah, I, Mothership. It's I'm surprised I'm not running a Mothership campaign, but this again is a a sci-fi version of Gary's Appendix, basically, and it's got some good stuff in it, and I wholeheartedly recommend anything that Jeff Jones puts out. Oh, back to Mothership, Warped Beyond Recognition. This is, Mothership Adventures are hard to talk about because they're, they've got a lot of secrets in them, a lot of stuff that you don't want to just put out there, right? So this is basically psychic experiments with being exposed to the warp, the time you spend in warp space between while traveling. I don't remember what it was. It Tales from the Crypt, a Twilight Zone. But there was a an episodic horror series that dealt with one of the episodes dealt with space travel and everybody being knocked out before they went into warp. And this one guy stayed awake and like it totally fucked him up. That's what this book is. And it's got some really good stuff in it. I think my favorite thing in here is one of the guy's powers is warping reality. So it says in the book, grab your favorite one shot from some other genre and drop your players into it. I just love that idea of all of a sudden you're in this bucolic field and orcs are coming, running over the hills at you after you were just in a spaceship. <laughs> it's, there's some really good stuff in this one. And yeah, another one that hopefully someday I will get to the table. Dungeon Monar Malarkey. This is Levi Combs. He's another one that I'm almost always insta back, especially his stuff like this. And this is just a bunch of dungeon stuff to throw in your dungeons. Let's see if he's got a table of contents here. Yeah. So this is like weird stuff. Shiver Bark, Coffin Quartz, Clone Putty, Phase Crystals, Mind Slayer Mold, just like stuff that's in a dungeon. And a lot of it is dungeon hazards. I really like Stuff like this, where it's just little pieces of thing you can drop into one of your dungeons. I really like having stuff like this. So when I'm stuck for inf in inspiration, I don't want to use yellow mold again or green slime. Been there, done that. Yeah, I can come here and just flip through and pick something out that I like. Feats of Exploration. This was just re released by John Britton. He hosts or he runs 3D6 Down the Line, which is um, an old school essentials campaign running through the halls of Ardenvol. I've always been interested in Ardenvol and 
after the first episode I listened to of these guys, I was hooked. I charged through what I hadn't listened to and caught up. And I, this is one of those that as soon as it comes out, it shoots right to the top of my podcast playlist. And that's saying something because it, it is huge right now. I have not gotten a lot of alone time at work, so I don't have the time I used to listen to podcasts. So my playlist is deep. It is, I think it's 120 deep right now. And once I get doing stuff on my own, that'll take me two or three weeks to catch up on. But this one always gets listened to every single week. Um, I like the way these guys play. It's totally my style. Uh, it's taking it slow, asking questions, trying things that aren't obvious, thinking outside the box, role-playing. It's what I love. And Feats of Exploration is um, an alternate reward system. And basically it is um, getting gold. Because while that does create a specific play style, giving XP for exploring places also gives a, also adds to that play style, I think. Giving XP for a hex discovered or hitting five rooms in a night or something like that really, it really incentivizes your players to play the way that you want to run. So there are things for faction play, for setting up storefronts, for uniting people together, like under, into a faction under you, establishing a base, clearing out a hex of wilderness, all this stuff that by dropping it into your chosen game makes it so you incentivize your players with what you want to you, you want them to do right now i'm running a shadow dark game i've been running a shadow dark game for a few months and i am we don't engage with the rules a lot so i am hesitant to change the rules but after reading this i was like yes i am going to adapt this to shadow dark the shadow dark experience system is like one to 10 times your level. So it's some of the numbers come out weird, but I think I've got it set up pretty well and I'm excited to see how it works. And, uh, yeah, I'll be running that tonight. Actually. Let's see here. Uh, speak false machine by Patrick Stewart. This is basically 10 years of his blog reorganized into themes. And this is the man with the purple pros, right? This is um, it's really interesting, right? Because the way he writes in 2011, 2000 is really different from the way he writes now. He has come quite a distance as an author. Uh, it makes me think that I need to sit down and, uh, do some writing so I can, my prose to sound like him. I get my speech to sound a little more descriptive like his. Yeah. I really. I'm really looking forward to slowly chipping away at this book. This book is like 660 pages long. It is a beast of a volume. Beast of a book. It's like a dictionary. But it is, it's blog post, so it's really short. I can just jump into it and read it. Last night when I was breaking in the spine, I kept finding articles. Oh, what's this? And I uh, spent a couple of minutes reading that and I uh, continued breaking the spine in. And then I sat down and read probably, I don't know, four or six articles last night before I jumped back into Jason Alexander's book. And yeah, it's, it's really good. I, I like his writing. I like his blog. And this is an easier way for me to digest his blog than just scrolling back to the beginning and reading. 
All right, that's all I've got up here for PDFs, but I don't have the monster overhaul here. And that is one of my favorite monster books. This might be my favorite release for 2023. I have gotten more use out of this book than most of the things that I have bought this year. I've gotten more use out of this book probably than the 5e monster annual. And I run, ran 5e for a long time. This book is just, it's not just monsters. First of all, the monsters are themed into different sections. So we've got dungeon, dragon, thinking beast, heraldic beasts, primeval, elemental, season, spring, summer, fall, winter, hostile forest, hot plains, mysterious mountains, stormy seas. The themes that are, he has gathered these monsters together under are evocative on their own, right? I'm running a hex crawl and I've got some forests down. Boom, I've got hostile forests. I can take a look at what he's put in the forests. Also, I can go back through the indexes and the monsters in grouped in various different ways. The way this put, book is put together makes a lot of sense to me. The stuff that's in here, most of these monsters have a lair attached with them. They don't have a lair, they have something else. Uh, like the Beholder has alternate eye rays. The dragons have a kind of a generic dragon cave. The, let's take a look, let's just jump into something here. A lot of these have parts you can, what you can do with parts, right? What happens if you eat them, right? Why this minotaur must die, minotaur names, minotaur weapon, weapons, a generic labyrinth, naga, naga names, shrine decorations, paraton. What's a paraton taste like? Why are we fighting that? There's so much good stuff in this book that I keep coming back to it. This is my new monster manual. When I want a monster, I come here first to look it up. The stat blocks, number appearing, hit dice, appearance, voice, wants, morality, intelligence, armor, move, morale, damage, and special attacks or whatever. Pressure is included. Anything you need to, to run one of these things is here. There's also at the beginning of the chapter, there are tables relating to all these things. Let's see, in fall, we've got fall random encounters, combined encounters, where the encounter takes place. There is a fair, a dark fair, Dulahan, Harvest Avatar, Iron Fulmination, Leafling. I can't say enough good things about this. Get the PDF at least. The book is huge. It is eight and a half by 11, like, 300 some pages. Oh, yeah, 366 pages. So much good stuff in here. I like just flipping through it and coming up with ideas as well as I need to put a goblin here. Let's see what this thing says about goblins. And again, written in old school style. So it's really easy to import into any one of your games. The damage is very old school. The armor is written as an armor, as chain, as leather, as plate. So much goodness in this book. One of my favorite books to come out ever, I think, but definitely, probably, I'm going to have to say this is my favorite book of the year. So there you have it. Monster Overhaul, Rich's favorite book of the year. Thanks for joining me on this journey through 2023. I know there's a lot of stuff that I didn't cover. I got a lot of stuff this year and really, Really, the stuff at the beginning of the year is probably falling by a wayside more than the stuff that I have received recently. 
but I think I covered most of the stuff that sticks out in my head. If you've got any questions, go ahead and message me on my Discord. I'm Jerry247, just about everywhere. I don't check any of that stuff, though. So the best ways to get a hold of me are definitely Jerry247 is my new Discord handle and always cockatrice-nuggets at gmail.com. Yeah, drop me a line. Let's get a conversation going. I'm in a bunch of different Discords out there. It's probably how you came across my podcast at one time. Yeah, let's get that those conversations going. All right, it was good talking to you. And remember, no one is alone. Someone's on your side. I'm on your side. Hey, Jason here. Just listened to your 7 November episode. I agree with you. You talked about your Halloween game. And I don't like closed-ended mysteries and problems. I definitely like to leave them open-ended and then react to what the players come up with. We're within reason, right? Uh, the other thing you talk about in the beginning of the episode, these portable little kits that, hey, does somebody want to play a game? I've got, I can, I'm ready to run it. And I really like that idea. And I get where I go down rabbit holes and want to build those things as well. I don't know when I'd ever, ever use it. And I think that's what stops me, but it doesn't, it stops me from physically doing it, but it doesn't stop me from ordering stuff to put it together. And it doesn't stop me from thinking about doing it. I just never actually complete doing it. <laughs> so I've got pieces and parts and notebooks and tiny dice and all kinds of stuff, you know, that is just sitting in, in boxes and bags and unused, which is pretty sad. Okay, now I'm going to go cry. Keep up the great work. I will talk to you later. That's all the nuggets we've got this week. Show notes available at slackthenerds.com. Want to reach out? Send a voice message using the link in my show notes, the Anchor FM app or website, or email me at cockatriesnuggets at gmail.com. Check out my new streams on twitch.tv slash jerry247. As always, you can use my blog at Slacker Nerds to get links to my Patreon and all my other socials. Come join my new Discord server. Links in the show notes. This podcast is ranked via iTunes, so leave me a review and some stars there. Share with your friends or shout out from the rooftops. However you want to get the word out, it's great for me. Thanks for listening.